So I have a uh, pick of the week. Oh, you're you're, you're not even saving the good stuff for the end. No, okay. we're we're just going right into it. That's that's how excited I am about this week's pick. Oh, and I have an anti pick of the week coming up okay. right next. Go for it. Okay, uh, my my pick of the week is Claritin. It's late fall. I know what my do you need that for my allergies pop up at really weird times of the year, and historically this kind of September October time frame has been really bad for me and um I don't know what it is I never found that Claritin worked very well like in the past but out of sheer desperation this weekend my my allergies were just obliterating me um I gave Claritin another shot and the last couple of days you know knock on wood here I've felt more clear-headed than I have in a long time um, so that makes two episodes, uh, back to back that we've started out talking about, uh, our old people drugs and how we are no longer, <laughs> so oh, I, t- I totally didn't think about that. Does that make us no longer, uh, millennials or maybe not? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have to actually think a little bit more about what the impact to our show is and, and really what the impact to us as people are or is, yeah. um, on, on the, uh, Advil note. Or are are you picky? Um, like, do you, do you have a strong preference? Well, first, uh, generic versus brand name Advil, and also like Advil versus Tylenol. Um, so uh, I will take whatever's given to me. So I'm not like that picky when you're at a club. <laughs> well, hmm, no. Um, I guess Advil because that's just what I've always kind of known. But I mean, I if if Tylenol was the only thing available, I I would have no issue with that. Um, and then I don't know in terms of like generic versus name brand. Usually, if the, if the price difference is only you know a dollar or something, I'll just get the name brand, just so that I don't even think about it. Um, well, but it it never is that that little of a price difference. But the thing so, you, sometimes it is. Like sometimes the name brand stuff will go on sale, and the the difference isn't that big. But you got to get the name brand stuff because it's got a much easier to open bottle. Oh, have they have the um the the store brands? Have they not been able to copy that? Well, the only store brand I usually ever it's it's up and up because it's a Target brand, and they have the <laughs> what I, I forgot that was the name of their in store brand. Yeah, and then they have art. It's, it's not as it's not as good as nice, but um, you know they're working on it. it. So, do you want to explain that reference? Because I don't think anybody has any idea what you're talking about. So that is the Walgreens uh, store brand, which yeah, but yeah, why you, you, you said it that way? Oh, so we, we we say it that way. Well, for two reasons. One is because there literally is an exclamation mark at the end of the uh, the name, and two, it was a uh, recurring joke on. Uh, one of our formerly favorite podcasts, Back to Work. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, tar- uh, Target's uh, up and up brand. They, um, I'm sure, I'm sure, like the chemistry of it's fine, but the actual packaging and the bottle is. Uh, it's got the like the childproof uh, safety things where you got to line up the tabs right, and, and I can't, uh, I can't get behind that because when I already have a headache and I'm grumpy, uh, that's the last thing I want to worry about. I wonder if the the generics haven't been able to copy those bottle designs because those are still maybe protected by some type of patent or something. Whereas the drug itself is not. That's smart IP. Because again, I will totally pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. 
Um, so, okay, so uh, starting off the show, we're, we're old. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're old. So you have an anti-pick of the week, you had said. Oh, I was just going to lead it straight into the Apple TV. <laughs> just because I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I, I feel so smugly satisfied that I'm sitting this round out because it sounds like um, it's a bit of a mess. So I, I'm, I just... I feel no qualms about being left out of this party of uh, having to log into iCloud four times using not your iPhone. Uh, okay, so should we get into this? Are we going to get into this? We're going to do this whole show out of order, so let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So the Apple TV, uh, available starting last week. Um, what we talked about on last week's show did end up happening where the boxes were available in the store uh, just to the general public on Friday. And so I... Um, I was that guy and went into the store on Friday and picked one up um, and so that I could use it over the weekend. And um, there's, there's a lot to say. So I, th- I think what we'll probably spend a majority of the time talking about is the setup process. Um, the most fun part. Yeah. So it gets off to such a promising start. So, you know, similar to... Actually, well, so before we get to that, let's talk about what's in the box, because that, that because that sets the trend for. It seems like every time it the Apple TV does something right, it does two things wrong. Um, so out of the box, um, it comes surprisingly with a lightning cable. Well, not not so surprisingly. Um, well, yeah, I guess so. The The lightning cable is for charging the remote. The remote has a lightning port on the bottom of it. So, you know, it, it's I guess it's not reasonable to assume that everyone's simply going to have a lightning cable laying around. So Apple does smartly pack one of those in, although it's kind of funny because it's underneath the little quick start guide. So <laughs> I can imagine some some people throwing away that box without even noticing the cable was there. Um but anyway, that that was a nice little surprise, and I mean, shoot, those things are twenty bucks a pop. So basically, just shave twenty bucks right off the price if you want to think about it that way. I don't think those are sound economics. No, not really. <laughs> um, but what is not included in the box is an HDMI cable, which is the one and only way to connect Apple TV uh, to a display. Um. You know, it's not uncommon for manufacturers of Blu-ray players, for set-top boxes, you name it, to not include HDMI cables, but... Well, is that the case? Because uh, you recently also got TiVo Bolt. Did that include an HDMI cable? I don't think it did, no. No. Okay, good. But game consoles generally do, right? No, no. Okay, I'm just... (laughs) Am I just thinking everybody throws this stuff in when they don't? I think you are. I know, yeah. I, know, I know it's printer companies that notoriously always stick you with the uh, the no USB cable thing, but I always thought television manufacturers and um, like everybody who makes a set-top box generally includes it. I, th- I think it's very hit or miss. Hmm. Um, but it just, you know, Apple, I think really more than any other company I can think of, prides themselves with kind of the out-of-the-box experience. And as we'll get a lot into, I think the quality of that has diminished significantly but anyway they i think they strive to do that and so it just it just seems like a no-brainer to include an hdmi cable in the box 
I mean, and, and I'm totally speaking as someone who, I mean, I've got 1,800 different HDMI cables laying around, so I don't have a, you know, I don't have a horse in this race, as you would say, but I just think for the average consumer, including the cable that you need to hook up to your TV, it's sort of just a fundamental thing to have. Perhaps. Um, okay, so anyway, so now now let's get into the this actual setup stuff. So, like I started saying, it, it gets off to a tremendous start. Uh, similar to the previous generation of Apple TV, um, it has an option where when you first turn it on, it, it presents you with two different choices. It says you can set up with a device or you can set up manually. And if you choose to set up manually, you go through and you enter your Apple ID and password and all that kind of stuff. And you have to then manually select a Wi-Fi network and enter your Wi-Fi password. Um, but if you uh, choose setup uh, via device, what you can do is you can take your iPhone, hold it up close to the Apple TV, and via Bluetooth, it will automatically grab your Apple ID, your password, which you enter uh, directly on your phone, and it will automatically connect to whatever Wi-Fi network that your iPhone is connected to. And boom, it just, it works, it's great. And then there's a couple of other quick little choices uh, that you go through, whether you want to enable uh, location services and I don't, uh, so you, whether or not you want to use Siri and one or two other things. And then boom, you're, you're right in the main menu and you're, you're off and running. Uh, so great start. But then from that point forward, it's just an absolute mess trying to enter any other additional login credentials for any other application. And the reason for this is because the only way that you can enter password and login information is by using the remote, which is actually a pretty nice little remote. The trackpad works nice, the buttons feel good, the, the remote in general feels good in your hand. But it is not a remote which is meant for text input. And unlike the previous generation of Apple TV, the remote app on iOS doesn't work, and there's no option to connect a Bluetooth keyboard, which also was an option on the previous version. So entering text is just an absolute nightmare. And you know, that's a huge part of the setup process because one of this one of the things that this box doesn't have is any sort of, you know, universal login or any ability to if you have the same login for multiple different services to you know use that or enter that somewhere so, so something like um like facebook on ios where you can enter your facebook credentials and then apps which use your facebook login can then you know go and kind of grab that information without you having to enter it again there is no concept like that on the apple tv so it's, it's just it's a huge bummer it's it's one it's one of those things where I, i've been thinking like as Apple tests these types of products, and you know specifically with the Apple TV here, like how is it that when they have you know presumably dozens, if not hundreds, of people go through this setup process, how is it that nobody raises their hand and goes, "Hey guys, like entering all your username and passwords on this thing is an absolute nightmare." Like I just, I just don't. It seems like such a huge oversight, and it seems like something that in the previous generation they already pretty much had solved with the remote app or with Bluetooth keyboards. It's it's kind of just baffling. Yeah, it sounds like it. I just don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what they would do other other than than redesign the remote application. I mean, at at the very least just offer the option to connect a Bluetooth keyboard. 
um, which I, I think is a pretty, you know, um, janky solution. But I mean, you know, at least at least it's something. Um, well, I don't think I think if if that's the only alternative, then that is their right to not support that or to not make that a thing. Just because that's something that so few people would do. I would say maybe one out of a hundred whatever entertain the the fact that or the the idea that they would use a bluetooth keyboard to set up a set top box so i don't think that's anything that would give them like an out for this it's just tricky but yeah because it's now a full-fledged ios device like was was the apple tv before or was it still based on some kind of hybrid os 10 slash i think it i think it fell into the same category as the ipod nano where it's like it's 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 ios but don't call it ios gotcha so but so now it is full-fledged ios so i think it has a lot of that icloud like weird back-end stuff where you do have that like 47 page iphone setup screen because there's so much random stuff that hooks in and needs your password for random reasons so i think that is tricky but it's just weird that there's no way to make that be like a bulk thing yeah, well, but I mean, like, as uh, Dan Warren pointed this out on Six Colors either today or yesterday, I mean, iCloud already has this problem solved. It's it's iCloud Keychain. And I, I actually, I don't use iCloud Keychain as a one password user, but um, that also seems like a pretty obvious solution. Well, would it be, though? Because isn't, but you can't use iCloud Keychain to log into iCloud or your Apple ID. So that's the only password you actually need. But that that they solve for with the the iPhone setup process that I just described. Well, based based on what I heard from the discussion on upgrade, is that once you try to download an app or do anything else, you still get challenged and require that you you type it in. You do still have to enter it one time the first time you go to purchase something. Yes, that that's true. Snell seemed to suggest it was is well, three to four. Snell, well, so, well, no, that was because Snell ran into an issue where he had to also reauthorize his credit card, which I don't know if that had anything to do with the Apple TV or not. It, it might have. I, I don't know because I haven't tried to purchase anything with my credit card yet. I uh, bought that eBay iTunes thing that you linked me to. Thank you very much. Sure. Um, but, um, I, I agree you, you, that would still be an issue, but I think at least from that point forward, when you went to log into things like Netflix and Hulu and HBO go, at least maybe you could pull that information from iCloud keychain. Perhaps, but yeah, I I still don't necessarily know what that product actually does. So I'd be the wrong person to ask. Well, okay. Yeah. So I guess enough about the, the, the kind of setup process. So the, the box itself is okay um the the ui is really nice um it's clean looking the whole like aerial like screensaver thing that they demoed uh during the initial unveil is really cool um although there's a there's a funny little there's a funny little option as you're initially setting up the apple tv i think it's the last option you pick like after picking location services and siri and the itunes privacy policy all that stuff it goes, you know, hey, Apple TV's got these new like aerial uh, screensaver things. Do you want us to automatically download new new versions of these as they come out every month or two? And then in parentheses, it says download sizes will average about 600 megabytes. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, well, maybe 
maybe this is why they're offering a uh, 64 gigabyte version of this thing. Maybe maybe we finally have our answer. Well, no, I mean it would it would replace the most recent one, right? You're you're killing me, dude. It was a joke. What well, what was the joke? <laughs> never mind. No, no, I I <laughs> <laughs> Oh, never mind. No, no, explain. It's, 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 no, there's nothing to explain. The the listeners get it. Maybe one of them can email me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, what else? I mean, the the fact that there are apps on this box seems incredibly cool. I mean, as predicted, um, there's really nothing that stands out quite yet. And in fact, some things are are really disappointing, like the um, the NBA app, because I'm an NBA League Pass subscriber, and the Apple TV is generally how I watch games. And it's cool that they're there day one. I actually wasn't sure if they were going to be, so I, I was happy to see that they were. Um, but when you're inside of the app, you could literally put the third generation Apple TV next to this fourth generation one and look at the NBA app on each, and you you would not be able to tell the difference. They're they're really just the same app. It looks like they just took the Apple TV three app and just ported it over to TVOS, which is a little disappointing. Um, like, you know, one of the things that the MLB folks demoed was that their updated app for next season is going to be, or is going to support 60 frame per second video. Because uh, that's always been one of the things with NBA League Pass and Apple TV is it only comes in at about 30 frames. And it the resolution's good, but the, the frame rate's not great. You can tell it's, you know, web streaming video. Um, so like little things like that would, would have been nice to be able to kind of see from day one. Um, and you know, like, you know, the Netflix app looks better than it did on the old Apple TV, but it, it's still just, you know, it looks like Netflix. Um, so, you know, I, the apps, which I, I think we may have even just mentioned last week, like I didn't expect those to kind of blow me out of the water day one, but, um, you know, because they're really nothing that's leaps and bounds better than what was in the previous generation of Apple TV, it, it's kind of hard to say right now how much better these apps and what kind of better experience they really are going to provide. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I think it's weird that, uh, at major league baseball was featured prominently, uh, during the introduction when, uh, the season would be over by the time it was, um, it was released. Cause that, cause that's the only application that I thought was outside of the norm that would actually make me want to upgrade or it would be it would seem like a, a really worthwhile uh reason to do that because because netflix while it might be faster and has the new universal search that's not terribly interesting it's more the interactivity that you'd want to see with that kind of stuff because games aren't really terribly exciting on this either yeah i haven't i haven't played any games yet so that that part of it i don't have any perspective on um some people seem to be pretty excited about a couple of the, of the games that were on there but you know, I for me, I don't I don't see that as being a big draw. So, overall, I mean, do you think do you think it's a worthwhile purchase? I think I think now no. I, I think if you have a perfectly working Apple TV three, um, I think you're fine. Um, I I think with this new Apple TV, you're better off waiting to see what they do with. So I do think that they eventually are going to support some type of like keyboard or some type of text input that's going to make this whole setup process better. Um, 
I think the apps will be significantly improved over time. And a lot of the other little bugs too, like, I mean, right, right now, so the remote has, the remote itself is Bluetooth, but then it also has an IR blaster so that you can control like your TV, your receiver, and any, anything that supports IR. And there's a, there's a process you can go through to make it so that, you know, it, it volume, volume up and down on the remote controls like your receiver volume. And there's a, there's a process to learn the commands from your uh, receiver remote. And I've, I've gone through that and it just simply just doesn't work on my receiver. So I think little, little things like that over time will, you know, hopefully get fixed. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's tricky. Seems like Apple is doing a lot, and perhaps they're not doing um, they're not doing enough sharing on the inside to make all of it work the way it needs to. Yeah, um, I can't remember if it was the talk show or for it, if it was Upgrade that was talking a little bit about that. I think it was it was Upgrade, right? I think so. It's just it seems it just seems like none of it really makes a lot of sense in the grand scheme of things. Like it. I understand Apple's at a, at a size now where it's it's incredibly difficult to have everybody working on everything or at least to be aware of it. But when like the music service doesn't work with it, when the iPhone pairing, like it's all those things that make a quality product, it's that integration that is expected from Apple because that's what they do. They make the hardware and the software and that's why you maybe pay the premium for it. It's It's more challenging when it seems like products are developed inside like their own little bubble and doesn't necessarily see the light of day with other with other departments that could make the experience better because it is a company that's trying to say you you buy this desktop this laptop this tablet this phone and this uh, tv thing and it all just talks to each other and you're all in the same thing and then yeah happy day and you know i i guess what i'm most focused on along that line of thought is just the the setup process specifically because it feels like a lot of this conversation about what's been happening with apple tv was exactly the same conversation we were having you know a month ago with the iphone success and it it just seems like the the setup process in general on on these new apple devices is is just broken it's just it's just a bad experience sure did I did I already send you the the photo when I was setting up my success again? And no, you didn't. Okay, let me put this in the Slack. This should be fast. But it's it's a screen that uh, popped up, I guess, because I was running iOS nine point one. That seemed like the most ridiculous and unApple like uh, dialog box I've ever seen. So this image this says this is a dialog box that says pair Apple Watch. You're using an iPhone that has been unpaired from your Apple Watch first. Go to Settings, General, on your Apple Watch to reset it. Then open Apple Watch app to repair it with your iPhone. Wow. I mean, at least you got that dialog box. I think that's new with 9.1. I think it might be, too. And if, if that really is their solution for kind of just the, like, the blindsided, like, reset of your Apple Watch and iOS 9.0, that's pretty bad. Like just after all, like after like the forty setup screens, and the fact that even afterward, here's like because I, I for a number of reasons, I I see way too many Apple product setups. It's really frustrating that after you restore from iCloud or your computer, once you've gone through all those like white uh, iOS welcome guide uh, screens, afterward, depending on the accounts you logged in, you will get hit with like between five and fifteen little white dialog windows. 
just asking for generic passwords and permissions and random stuff. And you really have no, like, I'm, I'm trusting, but you have no idea what application is actually asking for it. It's going to say, what, what's your Facebook password? What's your email password? What's your work email password? Your phone doesn't have a password right now. Do you want to add one? What's your iTunes password? What's your iCloud password? With, with no rhyme or reason. And then after I do all that, it says, oh, yeah, your, your watch is broken. Have fun. Hmm. It's just, uh, it's this stuff. It's bad, and it's bad in such an obvious way. Again, make, going back to the point I made with Apple TV, where it, I, just, I, just, I, I think it is impossible that anyone would have gone through and set up an Apple TV and not noticed the fact that how awful the experience was in, in putting your username and password into every app. But now the app tiles wiggle if you put your finger on the touchpad. That is kind of nice. That doesn't make up for it. <laughs> um, anyway, but, for, but for this kind of stuff, uh, only Apple. Only Apple, yeah. I, know, I just think... Uh, they, uh, they just need to take a year off. Like, this, the 6S is very nice if they just put a, would put a bigger battery into it, and we, we need to come back to that. Um, but they just need to... Stuff is still really rough around the edges. Yeah, can I actually, can I tell you a fun thing that my uh, 6S has been doing lately? This is really cool. It, um, every, I don't know, maybe every like five or six nights or so, so I, I put it on, uh, I've got like an iPhone dock thing that it, you know, charges on overnight. Like five or six nights rather than a single week, but please, please continue. Well, cause yeah, it, it is kind of like, it's, it's, I feel like it's more than, I feel <laughs> like it's, it's at least every week, whatever. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It, it it when I unplug it in the morning and I go to unlock it, it says it's been more than twenty four hours since I've uh, used Touch ID, and so I need to uh, re-enter my Apple ID password in order to re-enable Touch ID. Which is an which is a message I'll get occasionally on my iPad if I go a couple of days without using it. You sleep more than twenty four hours at a time. <laughs> I mean, some some days during the week I wish I did, but um, no, I certainly don't. And so it's um, it's very it's a very strange message, and I don't I don't know why it happens. Um, yeah, I do see that because on the iPad you have to log in once every uh, two days. You do, and it, it's it's that exact message, but it you know happens after seven or eight hours. That's crazy. That's concerning because then it makes it you think that though the watch is losing time, or like something weird's going on. And that's not good with computers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's not that's uh, that's not great. It's it's probably slowly corrupting all your data. It's okay, <laughs> probably yeah. Ugh. Oh, and, I, and I think the last Apple. Can I just get one more Apple complaint out of the way? Um, There's more later in the show, but go go ahead. Okay, uh, Watch OS two just doesn't seem to be any better than Watch OS one. Oh, most definitely. Except it's worse in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, like the promise of having faster third-party apps, I I haven't noticed that to be honest. Like, the handful of third-party apps I've used, which have been upgraded to Watch OS two, yeah, I think probably side by side, you'd be able to tell one is faster than the other. But just using it kind of normally, I I just don't really notice that big of a difference. Um, and like it, it it's still just buggy as hell. I mean, I. I woke up the other morning and notifications weren't getting pushed to the watch and uh, I, I restarted the watch. That didn't work. I turned Bluetooth on and off on my phone and then that finally did it. Like, it's just, it's just, it's kind of a, me- a mess. Like, I, I get out of the gate there being some rough edges, but I mean, you know, 
Apple Watch now is what six months old. I mean, this stuff's gotta this stuff's gotta get fixed at some point. But does it? <laughs> well, Cust- you would, customer, you would hope. customer sat. It's off the charts. <laughs> customer sat. Yeah. Like this is the this. Um, I I struggle with this a lot just because again like I am a nerd and I and I will and I will try almost every technology and I will and I I'm picky about these things but I will give everything an honest try and I like Apple stuff the best but it's it's getting worse like it, it new like cool new idea new problems are being like tackled and and we're like. It goes to the thing where, like, I will get asked a couple times a week about, like, do do I like the watch? And I never know how to answer that because, in general, the answer is just no. But I, I, there always like seems like there needs to be more with that. Is it's it's nice that you don't have to fish your phone out of your pocket to see text messages and that kind of stuff. But other than that, I'm not sure I, I enjoy it. Like, particularly for me, the workout application is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life on a mobile device like this. It's so painfully slow. It's really difficult to manipulate while you're moving. It, even on the larger 42 millimeter watch, it's 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 crazy. The the time travel feature they implemented it works poorly, and it gets turned on by accident all the time. Uh, the honeycomb screen still makes no sense to me. It it's just not very good. Like I I like that it exists, and I'm sure it's way better than a Pebble. But it's but the thing is like there's no. And that's like there's no way to suggest to Apple that it's not very good. Like there's no, I don't know. There's no suggestion box. It just says fix this shit. Because like it, it frustrates me whenever they say yeah that customer sat or like or that like who? I really want to know where ninety six percent of people who have the watch think it, it, it's it's the bee's knees. The bee's knees. I haven't heard that expression in a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm Pete Campbell. <laughs> uh, sorry, no, I'm not. He's the worst. Um, but it, it's tricky, and like in the iPhone, like uh, so much stuff about uh, Apple is, is bugging bug the crap out of me. I'm really frustrated that I've I finally started using my success again for for reasons unknown. Um, and and the battery life is still just as bad, if not worse. And I still have to use this damn Mophie case with it just to get through a day. All because it can't make the damn thing a little bit thicker. And guess what? If you made it a little bit thicker, there wouldn't be that weird, awkward camera bulge on it. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I'm angry. So, yeah. Oh, and do, can oh, since we're, I was I always hope we have shows that aren't just Apple all the time. Yeah, but, it, it'll happen someday. But but can I talk about this this crappy success? <laughs> uh, oh, I yes, I know I know what you're referring to. You you may you may. How is your screen? So my my screen is fine. I mean, are you sure? Well, so do you want me to ruin it for you? So I I <laughs> when you sent me this message earlier this week talking about your screen, my first thought was, oh God, please don't notice this on my phone because I will never be able to unsee it. And so I've I've been carefully um <laughs> avoiding looking at no here's it. here's the thing i'm gonna trick you i'm gonna i'm gonna like so my, my phone's not even my phone's not even arm reach away so no no i'm saying like later in the week just when you're not suspecting i'm gonna send you a thing that just shows you a pure white display because my issue is so where the signal strength is like in the in the top left corner and actually generally around the edges of the screen if you look at a pure white display the edges are ever so slightly darker and it's it in it, it most of the phones are like that 
and it's mm. and it's really frustrating that almost every other manufacturer finds a way like Samsung don't like their software and I generally don't like the way their phones look but the screens are always perfect I don't know it's just it's very frustrating and uh, yeah the the screen the screen is one of the few things I consistently still love about my iPhone so you you can't take that away from me but I can though cuz <laughs> cuz if I hand you my Note 5 you're going to be like what is Apple even doing Ugh. But anyway, that's that's really frustrating, and and that's something that Apple does have a problem with. They can never get uh, consistent backlight uniformity on their mobile devices, except the iPad. And the the issue with that is that for a company that isn't really good at doing that, they should have a lot less screens, a lot fewer screens that are pure white. Huh. Like seriously, if 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 you control the hardware and the software, don't have the first thing you see something where you can see this like weird blotchy uneven backlight on a pure white screen but again that's that's just me <sighs> um what else since we're since we're on on the apple stuff yeah let's let's just get it let's get it all out so that's awful um it's <laughs> a 3d touch how has that been since you've used the phone uh longer than i have we got on the same date but you've been using it much more than i had what's what are your thoughts i just think it's it's dramatically underused and it's not really used for anything that's super compelling yet. Like the one and only thing that I think is kind of neat, and this is just a total novelty thing, is on the Photos app, one of the options is to look at photos from a year ago, which every once in a while is kind of fun to look at. What do you mean? I'm so when you, when you 3D touch the Photos app, one of the actions that comes up is one year ago. And when you click that, it will take you to photos that you took a year ago. That's kind of neat. Um, but I mean, other than that, I honestly just haven't really come across any super useful implementation of 3D Touch. I mean, first of all, it's still, I would say, at best, half of the apps I use on a regular basis support it, which meaning about half don't. And then the ones that do just don't really do anything compelling with it. Like, I think the the tech itself works fine. Um, but you know, the, it just hasn't really done anything compelling yet. So for me, I, I have a couple of issues with it. And I, and I agree with a lot of that. It is that a certain, a certain apps have imp- implemented it a little like half-assedly, which again, speaks to another topic, which we'll, we'll c- cover briefly about Apple expecting way too much from developers. Um, like, like OmniFocus does have some really cool things with it that allow you to get to the four most common and useful parts of the application without having to navigate through the menu. So I think that's fantastic. But a lot of other ones, it's it's either not there or it's not really useful. And and I really have an issue with, like, I, I really like the idea of peeking into uh, a link or some type of information. But I find that the follow through of popping seems always to take two tries for me. And I just think that most people won't have the patience for it. So, and and I've and I've fiddled with the uh, sensitivity settings and all that kind of stuff, and it still just for me doesn't. It doesn't cut it, and it doesn't. It doesn't add to anything, and especially because it's inconsistently applied to a lot of applications. I think when people try to three D touch on something and it doesn't work for the most part, they just eventually will stop trying. Hmm. Yeah, and for a lot of these, it's just like, uh, particularly on the music application, uh, the result that you get is is not useful at all. It'll show you some random song that you've never played before, as the option. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I mean. Is even in the places that it's there, it just doesn't really do anything compelling. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? And again, I really wish they would steal my idea of, of if you have an empty space on, on the home screen, if you force press on it, uh, it would bring up Control Center. Ooh, that's really good. It is because I, I, I am either, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can never... I can always accidentally open Control Center, but when I want it, it doesn't. And then, like if I'm if I'm in Tweetbot, that's when I can't do it. I try to open Control Center, and it changes the tab that I'm on, and it takes like three tries. So, can I ask you a question about that too? So, when you when you're in the Messages app or any other app where the keyboard is active, is, is Control Center disabled? Because I I've never once been able to get Control Center to pop up over the keyboard. I just uh, in trying to do it right now, I did get it to work. But that was after it uh, typed the word the twice. Okay. I mean, I literally can't, I can't even just get it to work at all, even having it type some gibberish first. Ooh, sorry. Can, uh, can I derail this real quick? Oh, please. Um, I forgot about the game where you're supposed to, um, you know, when you get the text suggestions? Yes. In the little suggestion bar, if you tap the middle one a lot to see what sentences it'll create for you. Huh. Yeah, I would try that. It, it's, it's a good way to, uh, to write a novel. Hey, I don't. I I have that keyboard disabled. So, oh, okay. You you actually use it? I don't at all. Oh, okay. I I do it only to more easily suggest or to select uh the word I'm typing, which is spelled correctly, that it doesn't want to acknowledge exists. Anyway, I oh man, is is there a way to get rid of that? Oh, never mind. Apparently, when you start typing, it gets rid of the the silly little um audio only message not dictation but the little audio snippets for messages mm, yes do you ever use that no good i don't really use um i don't really use voice dictation either i do only when driving yeah um so what else so 3d touch is a mess um although i do like uh peeking inside of tweetbot yeah i i think the the peek and pop peek and pop yeah um that metaphor works pretty well. Peak is um, great. Pop is not. Right. I I think um the thing with peak that I I still find awkward and you you helped me with this where um you told me that you just had to leave your finger on the screen. You didn't have to keep awkwardly putting pressure on the screen to have the little pop window stay present. Uh, so thank you for that. But I still think it's somewhat awkward if you want to hold a uh, kind of peaked window for lack of a better phrase on the screen having holding your finger on the screen it just it makes it so that like if you want to actually be able to see the entire window you kind of have to like move your hand in kind of an awkward way well but isn't that the point where you would just press press slightly harder and then it just stays there yeah yeah i my guess i guess yeah, but my issue is that like I'm I'm trying that in Tweetbot right now. When I do that, I peek into something and it's fine. But then when I want to pop it, I, I hate this terminology. I always have to do it twice. Like it's I either have to press like uncomfortably hard where I feel like I'm going to break the screen, or you have to do it twice. Yeah. Anyway, still love Tweetbot four though. Um, oh, it's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Darthless, but that's okay. Did we ever talk about the? Yeah, I know. Um, did we ever talk about the? Um iPad update for that? No. We'll it's, get to that. Okay. 
Um, what else? Oh, sorry. It, uh, there's this bug, and which I on the listeners can help me out with. No, they won't. Um, oh, that, well, that's it. Was that a shot at our listeners? No, no. I'm just saying. I don't think there's gonna be the 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 install base is not large enough for the <laughs> few people who are gonna experience this bug to to actually come help me. So I have an issue that's that's happened since I updated to iOS nine. Supplies across my six and the six S, and it doesn't really matter. And I've hard reset, and it doesn't make a difference. So it's probably something corrupted in my backup. But um, maybe ten to fifteen percent of all App Store application updates uh, will fail, and the application will get to about ninety nine percent installed, and then just quit. And then uh, the only way to fix it is to power off the phone. The application will then uninstall itself without you asking it to. You have to go back to the app store and reinstall it. Your data is still there, but it's just that 10 to 15% of all app updates fail. And, it, and, it's, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah, I, I can't remember if we talked about this on the show. I'm pretty sure that we did. But I, I had a problem um, under iOS 8 with the iPhone, um, well, my previous iPhone, iPhone 6, where... Um, the, I think it was Pages, either Pages or Keynote, got stuck on an update, and I didn't even notice that it was stuck. And it, it, it was what was preventing me from doing iCloud backups. <laughs> okay, of course um, it and And, you know, uh, rerunning the update for that, having it fail again, and then being able to explicitly uninstall it, kind of like what you're describing, or actually, I guess, have it automatically really uninstall, that was what eventually fixed it. But I, I haven't had that problem in iOS 9. And things I don't know what I'm going to do to fix it. Um, what is, trying, trying to remember what I did. I, I, th- I think what I did was I, um, well, I guess it really only happened with that one app. So th- the thing is for me, like I thought like, oh, this is a one-time thing. And then it happens every couple of days. So I have that happen on the watch, something very similar. Uh, but yeah, not, not on the phone anymore. Yeah, I'm just dreading that I'm going to have to um, start from scratch. Yeah, I know. I I did that. When did I do that last? I think I did that going from like the 4S to the 5. I, I had some issue where I, I wanted to blow everything away and start from scratch, and I did. And it was just, it was so terrible that I just like never want to do it again. It's just, I'm, I'm super picky and fiddly about my settings. Oh, me too. Part- no, but particularly yeah. notifications. I... Ooh, that I mean not- notifications, sounds, um, just every, every little detail. And plus like I, I really like having my text message history and all that kind of stuff too. So Oh, I'd lose that too. Shit. Yeah. No, I know. Like losing um I th- actually I think about that a lot, like where, when I used to sell cell phones, you know, back in the day, as you would say. Um it's it's just it's amazing to think that there really didn't used to be a way to kind of restore keep all your your phone data and settings and everything and um you know we kind of take it for granted now it's all just in the cloud or we we hope it's in the cloud (laughs) um again it will except for you well no that that my my problem has been fixed well which is the one where i said i said it's eating your data oh the yeah the the time clock my my how do you know how do you know it's not deleting uh a tenth of your text messages every time that happens yeah maybe it is who knows um on that note small minor actual legitimate pick of the week uh there's an application from the same company hey, that made... hey Clar- claritin was perfectly legitimate no no i meant mine when i did the fake anti-pick oh okay um and it's you know it's it's all about zyrtec um 
uh, old people drugs. Um, from the same people who make Skype call recorder, there's a, an application called PhoneView that allows you to access the encrypted backups of your iPhone and you can extract text messages from it as well as voicemail and all other stuff. So if you ever do want something for uh, posterity, that's the right word, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, that allows you to get at your stuff and get it out of the proprietary iPhone iTunes format. So yeah, phone view. Very Interesting. Good. Hmm. And then, yeah, yeah, success, uneven backlight, doesn't install applications, battery life stinks. Oh, uh, another minor pick of the week. I'm just going to keep going for this. Um, there's a new smaller, thinner version of the Mophie juice pack that's less uh, enormous. So, yeah, the... I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh no, it's called the Mophie juice pack reserve and it's, uh, it's totally worth it. I, so I, I have a, a battery case for my iPhone, which I got for the six and it works on the success as well. And I, I, I was, it was on some Amazon like flash sale where it was normally like 80 bucks and I got it for, I don't know, 20 or 30. Um, and it's, it's big and bulky, but I use it so seldomly that I, I don't really care. Yeah. I mean, for me, it just like my phone, depending on the day has to make it from like taking it off the charger at 7am to potentially like 10 or 11 at night. And if that's a, like a workout day or something, like I'm, I'm streaming Bluetooth music, I'm doing like, honestly, I don't think that's super abnormal for a phone unless I had the luxury of like charging it at my desk for like three hours in the middle of the day. It doesn't cut it. And, and just the frustration that they can't make the phone slightly thinner or slightly thicker, or alternatively, as other stuff gets smaller, keep it the same thickness and just put a slightly larger battery. Because I have to, even though this case is like, it's the, like one of the smallest battery cases that they make now, it still makes the phone fucking enormous compared to what it could be if they just put a proper battery in it. Anyway, so I think that's the end of my negativity for now. So let's uh, let's uh, let's switch this up. Hmm, okay, give me something positive. Um, I think a universally liked thing is that now that um st- uh, favorites and stars have been converted to hearts on Twitter. Oh, un- universally loved. Yes, actually, I don't I don't see what the deal is with that. I like it. Facebook has the thumbs up. Um, well, why not? I, I guess I just don't really have any strong feelings towards this. I, I don't know. I guess maybe it's because I don't really use the the current star functionality all that much. Um, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't get worked up over this. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I do wish they kind of had both because I do like, uh, I think I fave things for, um, like I want to save it for later or like this is amazing, but I would like to maybe give out, wow, this is, this is, this is why nobody uses Twitter. This is needlessly complicated. Uh, All right. Um, (laughs) Well, let's talk about something fun. Or not something fun, but something more interesting. Okay. Um, ESPN kind of just bearing the work that um, Bill Simmons did. Wait, did you say something more fun? And that's why, and I took that back, and I said (laughs) something more interesting. Oh, I I thought we were trying to go more positive here. Well, no, this is more interesting. Okay. I mean, he's gonna uh, he's on he's doing HBO now, right? Right. So everybody's going there. Yeah. So um, I I actually was I was pretty surprised that Grantland continued as long as it did post Bill Simmons. Like you know, it just seemed absolutely inevitable that the day that they let him go, that Grantland was going to be a thing of the past. I mean, 
that site had grown to the point where it was more than just him. I mean, there there are so many talented um, writers and commentators on the site, but at the end of the day, like it, it really was Bill Simmons, and so it it just it seemed totally like a just a guaranteed thing that when he left ESPN that Grantland wasn't going to be able to last. And, and sure enough, uh, that that's what happened. And it's, it's a shame because again, there are so many talented people on that site and, um, you know, it, it sounds like they're all going to be taken care of for the most part, at least the ones who had, you know, contracts with ESPN. But I mean, also it, it just kind of sucks. Like what we went through with, with Bill Simmons, where, you know, we didn't get to, you know, hear from him for six months or whatever it was. And, you know, it, it's, it's a shame that we're probably going to have to go through, you know, something similar with uh, the rest of the Grantland staff now. Yeah, but I mean, this speaks to, I, I think the Bill Simmons uh, NFL ESPN, like the whole that whole thing was, excuse is the wrong word, but kind of a jumping off point for ESPN reevaluating its commitment to more broad appeal pop culture type of business expenditures. So I think they used his uh controversy as a way to kill off a site that they maybe didn't think was central to their core business anymore now that um the media landscape is getting a little bit more difficult for ESPN and it's not the gravy train that it was from uh 2008 to 2014. Hmm. Yeah. Cuz that's what they said, right? Um that uh, ESPN's just trying to get out of all pop culture stuff. Yeah, and that's what they said, but then there was a really smart uh tweet. I forget who this was by. I thought I thought I sent this to you, but maybe I didn't. Where You should have faved it. <laughs> yeah, or hearted it. Um where literally hours after ESPN made the announcement about Grantland on one of their Twitter feeds, they had some, I don't know, some, some pop culture story they were running Mm -hmm. just for like, you know, the ESPN like main site. Yeah, potentially. But I think that's going to be a longer term story. Yeah. Um, It's, it's a shame. I mean, I think when you and I were talking about this over text this week or over uh, Slack rather, um, it, I think we're we're both just kind of worried about where ESPN is going. Um, it it just it just seems like and we've we've talked on the show about Sports Center and kind of the the weirdness it's it's had with social media. Um, you know, for me, I I actually probably spent a lot more time on Grantland.com than I ever did ESPN.com. Um, so you know, with Grantland now being a thing of the past, and with Sports Center kind of still being okay but just not really hooking me like it used to yeah i'm I'm just kind of worried about where where espn is going yeah i mean i think they're in a tricky position just i mean it's it's really tough for them on on pretty much everything because they sports is so like three different things are changing for them like uh, cord cutting is, is a thing that's happening People are watching less TV in in kind of the standard format that they would expect, particularly the audiences that advertisers want to cater to. The people that are still watching television for that type of stuff are the people that are, for better or worse, interested in this whole fantasy sports nonsense. So I think they have to try to keep their audience 
uh, numbers up by appealing to the to what they want. They've made tons and tons of investments in big media deals for college football and baseball and all these other things. So they're just trying to strike this weird balance that keeps the money flowing, doesn't alienate the audience, and brings and keeps them relevant going forward. So I just they're trying to do so many other things. And for the people who were generally satisfied with what it was, it's becoming trickier for that. Because again, SportsCenter has become unwatchable pretty much because it's all social media stuff. And then when it's not that, it seems like it's it's something presented by FanDuel and it's talking about power rankings for your fantasy running backs. I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> like, what? I don't know what... I, uh, never mind. Uh, we the, the audience knows that I don't understand football, but that's... I just don't know, man. Like the Sports Center used to be something that you could you could just watch for an hour. It was entertaining, and you got kind of like a rundown of everything. And now it's all uh, press conferences with uh, that Steve, uh, Stephen Curry's kids all the time. And it's about somebody getting arrested, and it's about somebody's tweets, and then it's about it's just never. Whenever I'm uh, turning it on, it's rarely whatever I want to see, unless it's baseball tonight. Hmm. But yeah, it's tricky, and and just uh, for Disney that like. If they didn't have Star Wars and all this other stuff and, and the theme parks, like ESPN used to be like the the silver line in all their cable networks used to be kind of the, the just everything for them. And now that's that's not necessarily the case anymore. So they'll keep on churning out uh, more uh, Star Wars movies. They got this. I'm so, I'm so excited about Star Wars. Couldn't care less. Mm. Um, well, actually... Uh, Try to convince me to watch, uh, make the best case, because I have never seen a full Star Wars movie. I think I saw half of episode four once. Mm-hmm. Give me your best 30-second uh, uh, elevator pitch on why I should, um, like on my next day off, watch one of them. Keep in mind, I don't like sci-fi. Um, I mean, I think other, I mean, other than just being an absolute staple of pop culture, which... I don't know. I think that actually has a lot of importance, but there are movies which a stand the test of time because I'm I'm totally not a fan of you know like older movies in general and older sci-fi in particular, but they they still look great today. The pacing is still to today's standards. They so perfectly capture like. The stories of individual people while also kind of capturing like this grander scale um i don't know i feel like star wars is one of those things where if you if you don't if you don't get it you're just never going to okay do you think it would still hold the test of time like or, i mean do you think it would still be entertaining just from a hundred percent yeah it, it, tr- it truly is and i think honestly episode five empire strikes back is by far and away i think the best of the series so if you even remotely enjoy a new hope which is episode four uh you're you'll absolutely love empire strikes back so if i'm gonna give it a try don't jump to five still watch the other one oh yeah you you have to watch episode four to, to get the setup and episode four is still a great film so don't watch it one to six Four to six, one to three, and then everything else. If I were to do it, so there's a proposed. Um, <laughs> I forget what the this order is called, but then there's a machete version of that, which I just think is a really funny name. I don't um, know what that means. So we'll, 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 I'll explain. So 
a lot of people say that if you're going to go through the six Star Wars movies for the first time today, here's what you do. You do episodes four and five, which are the original two movies. Then you go episodes one, two, and three, which are the newer prequels. And then you watch episode six, which is the oldest of the original trilogy. And it's it's hard to explain why you should do that without kind of spoiling episode five. Um, but that's sort of like the recommended kind of nerdy way to watch these, you know, six movies now. And then the the machete version of that is that exact order, but you just completely skip episode one and you just don't watch it at all. And there's this, there's this really interesting article explaining how episode one contributes nothing to the overall canon of the series and someone who's completely brand new could just not watch episode one and literally only be missing the details of like one or two things that continue throughout the rest of the series all right next day off i might give it a try you you really really should okay can we start a, a carlos at the movie segment no although actually well (laughs) <laughs> so the, the the reference you're making is um, Mike at the Movies, which is a semi-regular segment on Upgrade, which I'm I'm personally not a huge fan of. It's just it's not what I come to Upgrade for. I kind of wish it was its own thing. Um, but I do, I guess, um, I'm being a hypocrite here, I guess. I, I would very, very much enjoy if you went through the Star Wars series and we got to talk about them on the show. I, I it would be so interesting to me to like hear what your first impressions are. Might be worthwhile. Did the um back when we used to watch Pixar movies, was that uh in the beta testing period or was that the live shows? It was. No, that was the that was in the beta. Oh, what a waste. Or yeah. not <laughs> Well, we we kinda we didn't even follow through on it. We didn't even get to Ratatouille. Wait, hold on. so we we did. I know Toy Story one and two and a Bug's Life. I think. I think we made it through Finding Nemo. Maybe we got to pick it back up. We definitely watched Finding Nemo because I remember having to uh, rent that on iTunes. Hold on, I got I got to write this down. Yeah, no, you you watching Star Wars would be really neat. And we're let's see, how many weeks are we until? Let's see. So we are in terms of shows because that's really what matters. One, two, three, four, five. So this is Destiny. We are six shows away from the new film coming out. There are six Wednesdays between now and when The Force Awakens uh, premieres. So if we're going to do it now, now, or if we're going to do it, now's the time. I'll think about it. Okay. I just, uh, it seems so boring. So ep- episode four, A New Hope, is, um, it's a little slow. Um, but it picks up and episodes five and six are episodes five and six feel like much more modern films. Okay. And they, I mean, they were only made a couple of years later, but they, they just, the, the leap from, especially from four to five is, is pretty significant. Yeah, we'll see. It's, mm. I mean, in my opinion, five, episode five is the best movie ever made. The Empire Strikes Back is basically just the perfect movie. I can't even think of a, of a counter example to make a joke with. So, <laughs> all right. Um, okay, cool. I I will strongly consider it. Okay. I think I, no, I don't want to commit to it, but I think I will try it. If it's not for me, I might just turn it off, but I think I'll 
probably give it a try. I, w- I would really, really emphasize trying to get through... At, if, if you don't like Empire Strikes Back, then... Which is which, again, I don't know which one it is. That's the second of the original trilogy. Okay. If, if you legitimately don't like that, then, you know, fine. I, I'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. Wait, so you're committing me to four hours of my life, no matter what? Yes. Uh, okay, give it a shot. Or I, I will... I'll take it under advisement. And they're they're available. I don't know if they're available to rent on iTunes. They should be. I don't know if you can just buy them or not. But I assume there have been high definition uh, re remasterings of it. Yeah, they they came out with Blu-ray versions. I think just last year. Um, and I, I I have the Blu-ray version of the original trilogy. Gotcha. Okay. But I, I think right. they they came out with them on iTunes last year too, or maybe earlier this year. And um, I just don't remember if they're available to rent or if you have to buy. Sure. All right, moving on. Um, actually, I'll let you pick. Oh uh, no, no, keep keep it going. I got, I got nothing. <laughs> I really want to talk about that six thousand dollar TV though. Oh, but please. But I can't think of a good way to fr- to to bring it up. Uh, well, I mean, that's as good of a way to bring it up as any. Okay. Well, I don't because I, I don't want to make this be a really negative thing about you though. Wow. Okay. Well, please continue. Do, do you know why that would be? And I no, I really don't. Um, it it is the fact that you, you um have made some very poor life choices with respect to televisions. Oh well, that's just completely not true at all. Uh, how so, sir? What what type of television uh, technology are you using? I, I'm perfectly happy using a Samsung uh, LED TV from. This thing is now four years old. It's kind of amazing. And and it doesn't bother you at all that uh, the color black always looks gray? Uh, No. I mean, I I don't think it does. Sometimes I feel like I'm nuts here, but do people (laughs) not... (laughs) I I feel like I'm John Syracuse sometimes, but like just... Elsie, there are so many... Plasma is just infinitely better. So you, so you, uh, you're referring to something that I think was also part of our our beta programming. Where, so I had a plasma display in college, and then um, sold it shortly thereafter, and then got a uh, Samsung LED TV, which I've had for the last four years. And uh, what was this now? This was like two years ago, maybe. Oh, when you had your, uh, I think it was like that you got the ST60 or something. There was an experiment there. I got, yeah, I, I got the, you know, universally loved, uh, was it was Panasonic, right? Plasma. That, the best. Like the wire cutter. Everybody just absolutely head over, was head over heels, head over heels for. Uh, there was a sale on them at Best Buy. And so I thought, eh, you know, what the heck, let's give, let's give this a try. And so I, you know, I bought one, brought it home, got it all set up, and it just just did not look good. It, I mean, it just simply did not look good. Can I give her? Can I offer a counter a, a counter point to this? Sure. Or or a, a counter explanation. Yes. Have you ever thought that maybe your that that looking at an LED LCD television for so long has broken your eyes? I don't think so because I I previously owned that plasma. I the, I had the the Panasonic plasma for I think also about four years. So. Well, so so what what did you think was wrong with it? I just I just didn't think the the image looked as sharp. So so it's clarity, not color. Right. Hmm. 
Which I guess for me, I put clarity above color. But so you thought it looked blurry because that's the thing. So I I have a lot of issues with LCD TVs. It's like one, they try to do that weird motion interpolation thing where they try to add frames that aren't there. You got to turn that off and that's easy to do. Okay. But that, but that's also a, like, that's what the, they're giving people what they want. For some reason, people want everything to look like it was shot on like a Sony Handycam. No, you, you keep, you keep your TV at 60 frames and th- that's, that's it. And then uh, the, the black levels on most LCD televisions are, are not very good. Black becomes gray and gray becomes, it's, it's, it's just not very good. And in plasmas generally have much better black levels. Um, and also uh, color accuracy is generally a lot worse on LCD TVs to the point where they will look better like in a showroom because they will have much greater uh, color intensity um, and it, it looks better in a showroom environment. But when you actually take it home, it looks way worse and everything looks too bright and vivid and you have to scale it way back and then you just lose a lot of the nuance of the picture. And things will be generally, I think too sharp is actually a thing. Like a lot of the source material, like if you're looking at a 720p or 1080p, um, like a content source, a lot of times there's like forced sharpness that's not in the source material, which looks worse to me. But I, I can understand it's a personal preference thing, and I and I will totally admit that or, or concede the point that um, LCDs are far better suited for gaming in terms of um, not response time because plasmas actually have not beat on that. But um, in terms of uh, image retention and um, and sharpness, because of that, is image retention still a thing on plasmas? I thought that was. I feel like even when I had my plasma, gosh, eight years ago, that was not a thing anymore. It's not really a thing, but um, if you're really into a game, like I think uh, Syracuse complained about this on his. Like if you if you ever like just get really addicted to a game, like because he's really into Destiny. Apparently, like the um, what are the the things on screen called? Like when they show you your position on a map and like just like your your stats and stuff. Is there a name for that? Your HUD? Maybe. Yeah, that. That got stuck like after like 10 hours of gaming without like pausing. Like some of those were burned into the, the display. Like bur- burned in permanently or? Stuck there for a while. Okay. But like, I mean, that generally under normal use will never be that way. But if you're looking at something in the, in the, um, the HUD does not move at all. After 10 hours of continuous viewing, it, it, that's not great for the TV. Yeah. So anyway, uh, going back to the, to the Best Buy thing. So I stopped in yesterday because I had to pick something up. And uh, the, the only television that I thought actually looked good or, or looked better than a, a Plasma, because Plasma is fading away. Panasonic already called it quits on making Plasmas because it wasn't profitable anymore just because LCDs were cheaper, available at more screen sizes, and the... Uh, buying public didn't care <laughs> um there was there was one that looked better which was a six thousand dollar um lg oled tv oled is absolutely where we're going it's just the the problem with them now is they're just really expensive but it was so beautiful how, how big was that it was a 60 inch tv mm. and like the it was like you were looking into space like the black was so oh man (laughs) like uh, black levels are the that is one thing i i should uh talk about the uh 5k imac for the black levels are fantastic well yeah there's the new version of the imac that you got the refreshed one supposed to have much better color reproduction right Mm -hmm. 
So it, that is one Apple product that has a very good uniform backlight, but <laughs> <laughs> not the phone. So, um, but yeah, it was it was. Ooh, <laughs> that's that's another topic. I'm looking at Best Buy's uh, website for the LG OLED TVs. Apparently, it runs WebOS for some reason. It does. Yes. Why? Why? Why not? And why? And why is why is the WebOS mascot a penguin? <laughs> Let me send a link over. Um, yeah, but that's uh, who knows. Maybe OLED is the new plasma, and it'll just take time. I I think it is. I mean, it it seems like one of those things that it's it's universally loved. It's again, it's just, it's just kind of too expensive. But will it ever get? Will it have the 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 time? Will Will it have the longevity to withstand cheap LCDs? I don't know. I I honestly don't know where. I don't know where this TV stuff is going. Like we talked about this a few weeks ago. Like I don't know if if 4K is where we're going or if we're. You mean super uh, SUHD? <laughs> yeah. So I, I had always thought it was just UHD, which I also thought was dumb. But yeah, you showed me that picture that had SUHD, which. It, this this just to me this feels like 4G LTE all over again. Ugh, Samsung. I mean, this it, it's it's crazy. But I mean, yeah, 4K. I don't think that's gonna make a big difference for a while. I think we need to work on getting Fox and other people like watching the World Series uh, this year. Oh, one in a Fox which uh, broadcasts in 720p. Come on, it, it's it's 2015. Let's 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 work on that. And also Comcast, which over compresses everything but i thought like in the past they at least left the 720p channels alone but no it looks absolutely terrible so let's work on that first i don't think there's enough 4k content that we need to be trying to sell people new tvs and also i totally do not understand the appeal of curved tvs so that that's what i was going to say is i I was also in a uh, best buy this last weekend and was just kind of looking around the tv section as as you do and I, I had never seen one of these curved TVs in person. I, I knew they were a thing just through hearing about CES and reading various stuff, but I had never actually seen one. And so the kind of flagship TV that this Best Buy location was showcasing was one of these curved TVs. And it was weird. Like, I, I just don't... I, yeah, I, I just do not see the benefit of that at all. Me neither. Like I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's not like, you know, it, 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 it's not a more cinematic experience, I don't think, because, I mean, theater screens aren't curved either, except for, I guess, for like IMAX screens, but that's, I mean, that's a whole different thing. Like, the only thing I can, I can fathom being nice about that would be for gaming, and I would think that would generally, up, like, limit itself to monitors. I think if you had, like, a slightly curved gaming monitor, that might be more immersive and cool. But a television set, not at all. I mean, but that, I mean, the thing, so they were, they were showing um, one of the Transformers movies, because, you know, of course they were, on this TV, which you would think would be kind of a good showcase for it. And it just, it just really wasn't. Although, the other complication they had on it is they had either 120 or 240 uh, refresh rate going, too, which just also looks weird. But... Yeah, I, I, I just I don't get the appeal of that at all. Crazy, and then this is this is the one that, that I would want. Yeah, you don't have room for a sixty-five inch TV, though. Can we go to the far the part where you you say that 
space is the issue with why I shouldn't buy a seven thousand dollar television set. Oh, this, see, this is only five thousand. Did it go down a thousand bucks since you saw it over the weekend? Uh, save two thousand dollars. <laughs> Did it really go down $1,000 in price? It says it's on sale. How pissed would you be if you bought this like 30 days ago? What about, what about you got Geek Squad black tie protection on it. That probably gets you some uh, <laughs> some uh, some price protection period oh, or something. Maybe. And the, the 55-inch version, which is a much more reasonable size for, for both of our setups, is, is only 3000 But yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, but do you know how extra bad comcast's compressed channels would look on this thing yes i can <laughs> i mean and it would just be that much more depressing yeah oh i love under accessories uh best buy has their 130 dollar um nine foot cables wait where is it? where is this so on the uh the accessory tab for the tv i linked oh man I thought they'd cut that stuff back i thought they were trying to get less laughable uh, about that i stuff. mean and if you're gonna if you're gonna spend $90 on a 9.8 inch HDMI cable. I mean, at least get Monster. At least get a name that people are going to recognize. I'm like, what is Audio Quest? I think Monster, aren't they mostly dead now? I, I don't know. Because they, they originally had a deal with um, manufacturing the Beats stuff. And I think it's been all downhill for them, which good, but. I also kind of enjoy that this LG TV is described as 2160p kind of like that that's that's good because that's an act rather than calling it suhd <laughs> that's an actual 2160p is an actual thing yeah and i like that it comes with a uh, magic remote <laughs> hold on how are they not getting sued by apple i, I don't know <laughs> and it does come with two pairs of 3d glasses in case you were wondering wait you said it was a magic remote uh, that's in, in the right hand side of the screen that we're looking at there's a what's included section so and, go through the the product images and look at the world's most hideous remote oh do they i was wondering if they'd have a picture of it there nothing magic about this remote where is this oh here we go oh no <laughs> oh boy it looks like one of those ones you see in uh like radio shack Wait, what, what, are, what are they called up here? Not Save-On. Um, Walgreens or something. Like when you're trying to buy a replacement universal remote control. Oh, no. So I'm, I'm assuming what they, they think is magical is that I think it, it looks like you can speak into it because it's got like a little microphone thing and it's got... <laughs> I'm going to call this like a hybrid track or D-pad scroll wheel thing. Because it looks like it's it's a it's a circular D pad surround or like surrounding a scroll wheel. So oh, hold on, uh, not to not yeah, to there's so, there's so much to say about this. No, remote. no, here's because we're because we're gonna go through this. So starting from the top, the input button has a has a icon of a composite video cable. <laughs> I don't is that is that even what that is? Because the thing is like. It's again. It's 2015. Wouldn't that be like an HDMI cable? I know that's tough to illustrate, but maybe that speaks to the fact that you shouldn't have a picture of an of a video cable as the input button. Why is there Braille on it? Like, it, it, there's Braille only on the power button and the volume buttons. Like, how how is that helping? Uh, there's a dedicated button for Spanish for Spanish language switching. Okay. And then, oh, ooh, there's a, a 3D button with a 3D texture effect. That's pretty good. Yeah, this is, this is rough. 
I promise the television itself is beautiful. Holy crap, look at look at how thin it is. Yeah, yeah, no, OED is like, it's paper thin. It's like the world's biggest Apple Watch. Actually, I think that's a decent show title. Hmm. All right. And then, all right, $6,000 television set. So do you want to end happily or angry? Uh, let, let's end happily. All right, then you have to provide something that's happy. Oh, I thought you, I thought you had something teed no, up. No, because my option was uh, complaining about Comcast charging you $35 to actually have unlimited data. Oh, yeah, we may, maybe we'll come back to that next show or something. Sure. Um, what can we end with here? So we, we, we got a list of stuff that we kind of uh, curated, as, as you, you know, love to say. Into distinct collections. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the, I guess the happy thing I have maybe is the Tesla stuff. Sure. Yeah, okay. So Tesla had their Q3 earnings earlier this week, and something that they reiterated, I think it kind of came out right before the call, and then I think that maybe they talked about it some more on the call, is they are intending on, or they kind of reaffirmed uh, their intent on showcasing or unveiling their Model 3 in Q1. Of, or I, guess, I don't know if they said Q1 2016. I think they said March 2016. Um, and the, so the Model 3 is supposed to be sort of their more affordable tesla or teslas it, it, it sounds like sometimes when they refer to model 3 it, it's just a singular car but then sometimes they refer to it as like a line of cars so I, we'll see what it ends up being but it's going to be the you know tesla for for you and me kind of kind of vehicle we're, we're going to pretend that there is the urban infrastructure to charge an electrical vehicle. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting for so many reasons, like the, the infrastructure questions, like the questions around whether electric really is like the next step um, or whether it's sort of just a Band-Aid until we get to something better. Um, yeah, it, it, Tesla is one of those things where it, it's kind of it, it's, it's such a neat uh, like a niche product right now because of just it's just not affordable for anyone um but i think as they try to market this as a more mainstream vehicle i think i think it's going to highlight the things that we just talked about i think it's going to highlight the fact that owning this thing is kind of a pain in the ass and waiting 45 minutes to have your car fully charged is you said 45 minutes yeah at a, at a supercharger, that's that's what it is. I'm giving okay, them like but, the but absolute. Where are, where are superchargers? Though they're, they're kind of everywhere, on highways. Uh, yeah, but that's you know. If if you're plugging into the little EV charging station outside Whole Foods, it takes like six hours. Yeah, but the, the, you're not you're not going there to fully charge up your. Well, then you're only doing it at home because again, the point of the supercharger infrastructure is only to make long range, uh, like coastal trips feasible. So that's not solving any of the actual problems. Like if let's say you you have like you have like a BMW i3 or something that only gets like a 130 mile range and you work 50 miles away from your house, if you don't have a charging station, you're screwed. And if you try to go charge it somewhere, you have to sit there for hours and hours. There there are so many issues with electric uh, electric cars. Yeah. And the thing is, I think people always overestimate, well, particularly in the Bay Area, because there's this warped view here, that like Tesla is way more popular than it is. They don't ship that many cars. No. Not in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I always want to know how the, how the Leaf, and you know, like the, um, the regular electric cars, how those sell. 
Well, so we have a skewed view of that here too, because like I'll see a bunch of like the BMW i3s, and I'll see a fair number of the Leafs too. But it gets it's a that's a Bay Area thing. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing with Tesla too. Is I mean, you know, they you talked about them not really selling that many cars, and that's because they don't really manufacture that many cars. Like they're, I think the Model S and particularly the Model X is, is are supply constrained. That I'm actually not so sure about. I mean, I, the the Model X. I'm sure. Well, the Model X is like a a year wait. I'm sure, but the the Model S. I think a lot of it is because they've been doing these weird tricks of trying to get people to place their orders in advance. So they make their quarterly numbers, even though they won't take delivery on them for like a little bit. So I, I think the the lead times are way down. I don't think that like nobody's demanding them, but I don't think it's it's definitely not the the six to twelve month wait that it used to be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the the Model Three is what's really going to start to kind of inform us as to whether something like a Tesla is the direction the car industry is going, or whether people are going to kind of realize that you know, electric vehicles maybe aren't really the answer. And I think it's going to be a hybrid. No, sorry, not a hybrid vehicle, but a hybrid between the two. Um, where we're going to have to find something different, whether it be hydrogen or something else for long range commuting, but then like fleet vehicles and stuff like uh FedEx trucks, which is already happening, those are gonna go all electric. So the things where you can make a big dent for fleets uh in terms of uh reducing emissions, but also still providing the convenience of quick uh refueling, that'll somehow be there. And I think even if well if we go to all autonomous vehicles, I don't think that necessarily means they must be electric. Right. So we shall see by the time we're dead. <laughs> going back to the topic of being old. Yeah, and by going back on a depressing topic. No, no, it, it's okay because because <laughs> because death is all about re- rebirth. Oh, very nice. And 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 not having to open uh, off-brand Advil bottles. Yes. And with that, episode fifty-six is done. <laughs>